Hey everybody, welcome back to Highest Aspirations, an education podcast that focuses on topics related to English language learners and how we can make a greater impact. Highest Aspirations is brought to you by Elevation Education, your partner for ELL program management and instruction. My name is Steve Sophronis, and I am proud to be the host of Highest Aspirations. This episode is part of our special Look for the Helper series. Fred Rogers of Mr. Rogers Neighborhood offered some relevant advice for navigating difficult times like these. He said, when I was a boy and I would see scary things in the news, my mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You will always find people who are helping. The ELL community is full of helpers, and we are proud to amplify their voices as we face the reality of long-term school closures as a result of the COVID-19 outbreak. We are committed to keeping you informed and inspired with resources to help you support your English learners. We are stronger together. So if you'd like to share your ideas, inspiration, or simply share your voice, our doors are always open. Just go to bit.ly slash ellhelper to learn more. That's bit.ly slash capital E, capital L, capital L, capital H, E-L-P-E-R. You'll find that link in our show notes as well. Okay, really happy to have uh, Tan Nguyen uh, on the podcast on our Look for the Helper series. He has been on the podcast before, um, but for those of you who don't know him, um, Tan, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you are, and what you're doing right now? Yes, my name is Tan Nguyen, and I'm currently in Vietnam. I work at an international school. I'm a fifth grade, we call it EEL teacher or English as additional language, and uh, I just work with multilinguals. Great. And if you know about Tan's work, it's definitely not just working with multilinguals. He's got a lot of stuff available. Um, and we're going to hopefully get into some of that and pick his brain a little bit about what's happening out there um, in Vietnam. So first of all, your perspective is interesting. You're coming to us from Ho Chi Minh City. Um, yes. Where in the States, uh, timelines are different with this whole coronavirus situation. Where do you stand now in this whole thing, particularly where, where it comes to schools being closed? Well, this is our eighth week of virtual school. So this is our second, really second week of teachers off campus. We were asked to, we were directed by the government on February 2nd, at the beginning, beginning of February to uh, close school. And so it was Sunday night that we got the message. We were already ready for kids to, to come back to school on Monday. Just a regular lesson. We had them for three days. Then the email came in by our head of school and said, yep, School is out indefinitely for two weeks. We don't know when we're coming back. Plan for two weeks, done. Two weeks came and went by, and we were waiting for our kids again to come back. And we got the email again at, at night. He said, no, we're out another two weeks. And by that time, that was the fourth week, and we we're like, we don't know actually the kids are ever going to come back. Uh, because it kept moving, the deadline kept moving again and again because uh, Vietnam was rightly acting in response to what's happening around the world in, in South Korea and Japan and Korea at that time, and then moving to the US. And so we don't know when we're coming back, but we've been now on our eighth week of virtual schooling. The first six weeks were teachers coming to campus and co-planning and working together and facilitating uh, virtual school. And now we've been asked by the, by the government to social distance each other. And so we are now working at home. Yeah. Kind of a sobering um, story because you're ahead of us in this whole thing. And when you were talking about, you know, how two weeks went by and then they said, you know, nope, we're going to we're going to wait. That's that's almost where we are now, I think, in, in my particular um, where I am in the Northeast and lots of other districts as well. And the whole idea of just not knowing 
um, I think is difficult. But you know, you're in an interesting position to be able to kind of tell us what you've done so far. So I've been asking people, I'm going to ask you a little bit of a different question than the one that I've been asking other folks, which is I've been asking them, what are they preparing for? I'll ask you, when you were in those two weeks, and you knew, all right, I have at least two weeks out of school, what, what, what did you prepare then in terms of getting your students, you know, keeping them motivated and engaged? What, what were you asked to being prepared? And, and how did that all that go at the beginning? Okay, the, well, there are, when we've been doing this, we realized there were basically five things that really stood out. Even though the weeks went by, we've, we realized there were things that stood out as like foundational to our work. And the first thing we did was just collaborate with teachers. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we went to meet in groups and we said, okay, what are we doing this week? What are we doing for our kids? How can we support our kids? How can we support our families? What are we doing to support each other? Uh, and that was really cohesive and really collaborative. And because of that collaborative nature, we just, we were building the plane as we were flying it. Right? And it, de- it definitely felt like scary, but it was, no one had to have the answers, but we all had together figure, make decisions. And it felt better making decisions as a community than just by yourself. Because this yeah. is all new for all of us. So I would say as much as possible, teachers, please collaborate with your colleagues. If you can't be in person like we were for the first six weeks, virtually collaborate because that'll just make everything uh, just more smooth for you. Yeah. And, you know, I've said when I started this, this whole look for the helpers thing, it's like I'm not some people are emailing me back and saying, well, I don't really have all the answers to this. Nobody does. But the idea of just bringing folks together and, and piecing together ideas um, and resources, I think, is really so important. And you talk about teacher collaboration all the time. You and I have talked about that at length. Um, but now, more important than ever, even if you can't get together in person. Yes. And the way we've collaborated is, particularly now, it, initially, we first just started sending out links, lots of links. We were flooding kids with links mm-hmm. and resources. And then about the third week, a third grade teacher at our school said, why don't we just create a document that houses everything together? And so now we call that week at a glance. And by the, by the fourth week when we sent it out, kids and parents are like, were like, yes, this is what we were looking for because you have Monday to Friday, because I work in a fifth grade. So we have uh, English, social studies, uh, math, science, uh, and then like everything else together in one doc, doc one, one document. We had a Monday through Friday for English. This is what you're doing by Friday. And so kids really saw the breakdown of, oh, okay, by Friday, they want us to do this. So this means on Monday, we have to do this, this, and this mm-hmm. to get there. And we had embedded videos, embedded links, documents, all inside that document. So that right. parents were, they looked at that and they just weren't saying, I don't know what my kid is doing. They had that document and, and they were saying, yes. Now I know how I can help my kid because I don't know if this link connects to that. Because before we were just sending lots of links to kids. But now they see how the, all the assignments are working together. So that has been really helpful for kids as well. They can also plan their day better. Families can plan their days better. It yep. was just like, it was just a calming effect. And that's what we, we continue to do that. And there were things that have changed throughout our practices in these eight weeks, but, but collaborating with teachers and creating a week at a glance that we send out on Monday has been the two, two that have just been really steady. That's great. And that, that actually, you just answered the question that I was going to ask, which is, you know, what, and maybe you have another one, but that was a challenge that emerged. And I'm not surprised by that. You know, we get excited about tech, even when we're in schools and we pass out all these links and it's overwhelming. So just creating one central document where parents can find that 
information and and students themselves just to calm folks down, I think is is great. You also mentioned the idea of also backwards planning. This is what you got to get done by Friday. And in some ways, like I'm always looking for silver linings here. It gives a little bit of agency that maybe students wouldn't have before and their parents about how they go about approaching their day. Maybe it's not into these little blocks, but you have to have that structure or else people are going to get lost. It sounds like that's an important lesson that you've learned. And in the less in the document, um, we have we have it's color coded. We have things that kids must do, and then we have another code for things that are optional. That for so for kids who were who okay at the bar at the basic level, this is the bar we expect everyone to do this. This is the must do. But then the kids who were like, oh, okay, I'm done now. What we have things that are like in addition to that, you can develop your English skills by this, or you can work on this part of science. We always added just a few more for kids to really build on. Um, yeah. So that was thinking about that answered the questions of like, my kid's done. What do you do for me now? Right. So it sounds like your approach to online learning has been, you ha- have you done anything synchronously or has it been all asynchronous? Like when it comes to giving to the students, in other words, have you kind of given them everything and then kind of tried to guide them along the way? Or have there been any moments where you've tried to kind of have a live classroom? Yes. Yeah, so that's another thing. So then the other, one of the other five features is that we had um, virtual meetings with kids. So we would send out like, okay, for example, let's say by Friday, kids are going to write a narrative piece of writing, right? And so we would, what we would do is we would add on the weekends or the week before we would create all these mini lessons and embed them in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Then what we would do is we would grab kids, small little groups of kids, and then we would um, look at their work and we would, first we would look at their work. Let's say on Monday, they got, they got the, the video. Because mm-hmm. one, one part of narrative writing, they we looked at their work to assess how are they doing, and then we the next day on Tuesday we said, okay, this group here, uh, we we just sent you a Google Meet link. Please at this time come meet us so we can conference with you, and then we did that again for the next day. And so it was a lot of collaboration with my colleague. I, we we would say, okay, you take these group, and I'll take this group, and you take that, and then we had a calendar we set out. So it was, it was asynchronous where kids were um, watching videos on their own time, but then there was a synchronous part, but it was small, small groups. So we recommend that for, we really have done 30, we've done big whole class groups of 20 kids, but we realized the bandwidth wasn't enough because yeah. everyone was on the internet. And so we've really moved to smaller group sessions and which enables and empowers kids to talk more and participate and we're able to really still feel like a class like a, like a small group of uh, like a small group instruction experience and what we, what i recommend for that is turning off uh, ask kids to turn off their face video their camera video mm-hmm. and then we also we turn on our camera video because they uh they need to see our face but we also turn on our screen so as I'm narrating, like let's say I'm taking a piece of work and I said, I want, to use, I want you to look at this piece of work. I'm sharing my screen with you and you can see my face as I'm, as I'm talking with kids. We also notice around third or fourth week that even though we shared our screen, doesn't mean kids were focused. So we've started to moving to say, please share your screen as well. So now as I am narrating or I'm teaching, I can go on student C's screen, click on it to see what the student is looking at. And I can then move on to like a student's A screen or then student's F screen because kids never know when I'm clicking. Right. And so they have to, it's like a, it's like a, it's a way of uh, managing students uh, engagement because they could just be on YouTube and we don't know. You just don't know. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you don't you don't want to be kind of you know uh, super strict about that, but at the same time, it is important to be able to kind of see where where students are, um, and and right. any way that you can make it more engaging, um, right, is going to be great. You know, you certainly don't want to be just sending out videos into the ether and then not really knowing what's yeah. going on. But all of those lessons that you just uh, went through, I think, are sort of what people are starting to see now. Um, in yes. terms of trying to do classes, you know, with 20 to 30 kids and saying, wait a minute, maybe we do small groups. Where do we find that sort of sweet spot between asynchronous and synchronous? And these are two words that are, unless you were an online learning or blended learning, you know, a year ago, you would have no idea what they meant. And now they're coming to the forefront. Um, so, so you talked about um, some challenges. You're obviously doing this thing. You've been doing it for a while. Um, you talked about kind of some of the things that you're using, but specifically, I guess I would ask, and I'm trying to ask everyone, are there any resources that either you've created or that are out there already that you would recommend that teachers who are kind of at the beginning of this thing, particularly EL teachers, um, might want to use? Yeah, so the, what I use particularly are the technology uh, apps, for example, is Screencastify. Yeah. I make sure that I screen my videos for kids. And, and you, don't, you do not have to be uh, like, in, like a video person to know how to use this. Yeah, so I'll say it really quickly. Like it's what, when you're doing like flip classroom and videos, you ask yourself this question, does it need to be perfect or does it need to be done by tomorrow? <laughs> exactly. It just needs to be communicated. And this is here. This is the easy way, people. Here's the hack. You create a series of slides that you want to teach. What you do is then you practice the slides really quickly and then you, when you're ready, you screencast, you re screen record your screen, and then you also record your face talking about the screen. And as you go through the lesson, you can just scroll down, click down, mm -hmm. next, next, next. And you, then you narrate for kids what that's like. Um, we have kept the videos very, very short intentionally. Yeah. I would say no more than 15 minutes. And so that there's not a lot of engagement there. I know there's not a lot of engagement, but this is really direct mini lesson instructions so the kids can practice. Because really, the, you're using your time that's left over to create content for the next day, for the next week. You're using that time to collaborate. And more importantly, we're, we're noticing this equity piece. You're using the time to conference with kids who are falling through the cracks. This means there are kids out there, there are three groups of kids. We've, we've noticed kids who get it done no matter what. You do not need to interact with them. You don't, know, you don't need to monitor them. There are kids that need some reminders, and there are kids, the last one, who like, need so much support. And I work in a really affluent school where I, I work in an international school, so kids all have internet. The, from fourth to 12th grade, they have laptops. The young, younger grades, they have their iPads. Um, they, so internet access, we have that. But what we're noticing is that even though they're wealthy kids, some of them have family members who are home to monitor. Mm -hmm. And some of them have parents who are working. Sure. And they don't have time to monitor their, their children. And so we're noticing that. And the equity piece is this. We have carved out significant periods of the time of the day to meet with kids. So what I do is, for example, at 8.30, I meet with uh, James. And 8.30, I also meet with Coco. 8.30, I meet with uh, Yusang, and I meet those kids, and I separate them out into four different chat, chat rooms. And I have two devices. I have my laptop out, but then I have, I split screen. I use, on the left side is maybe a student A. On the right side is student B. On my iPad is another student, and on my laptop, there's a, my personal laptop, there's another student. So there are four kids, and when I'm talking to student A on my iPad, 
I'm muting the other ones, but I'm watching three kids' screens because they need to be monitored. This is very like controlling, but right. this is because if we do not do this for kids, they will go from now until June without actually doing yeah. anything. You know, it's and you're you're kind of like you're. It's all hands on deck in terms of the technology that you have available to you at home, and you're yes. just. I think like just putting things together that you already know how to use as best you can and creating yes. a situation where you're going to keep engaged with students. And you mentioned the equity piece. It was something that, that I wanted to get into. And in a lot of districts, of course, in the U.S. that we're dealing with, it's like, well, they don't have Wi-Fi or they don't have a device. Um, but equity sort of rears its head in lots of different ways. Yes. With parents who work and a student who's just kind of at home and is not guided, that, that needs right. to be addressed. Um, right. And so those, those quick meetings, and I love the idea of, of having, that's also a bit of a time saver. I mean, it's hard to meet with every single student over the course of a day, but if you meet with them yep. at one time, I mean, it's almost yep. like it's, you know, if I think about my job, you know, my day-to-day -day job, you know, we, every week or every day we check in with our teams, you know, we, we check in, we have a one-on-one. -on -one. Um, yes. So like, again, silver linings, like just to be thinking about how this kind of uh, difficult situation is forcing us to do things differently that we don't normally do in school that might actually be beneficial, which kind of leads me to my last question that I have for you, which is what have you learned from this whole thing that you feel like when the dust settles, which hopefully is sooner rather than later, you will continue doing that you didn't do before? Uh, well, can I switch the question around, I guess, in a different way? It's like things that it. I will keep doing. Yeah, 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 yeah. That I did before, right? It's the relationships. Like I had relationships with my kids and I knew them and I love them. But what's more important now because we don't see each other is that we need to maintain that relationship. So when I have a phone call with, the, with kids who are really falling through the cracks, I don't start with, you're still missing this. I started with saying, hey, how was your day yesterday? What time did you sleep? Oh, you slept at 11.30? Ah, okay, so how does that make you feel right now? And then they say, oh, mm, you know, I'm kind of sleepy. Okay, okay. so what, what did you do it that caused you to sleep at 1130? Well, you know, I was watching YouTube again. I was like, oh, okay. So what do you think you could do instead? <laughs> and so we really use that as a teaching moment. We focus on what's strong and we not on what's wrong. That's the main thing, the relationship that we keep doing. The second thing is plan, plan, plan as much as possible with your colleagues because it just makes work easier and it just makes, not just easier, but more intentional and really supporting each other because people are adding and building on, so like they have all their bricks and they're building, they're brick, taking their bricks and they're building a really strong foundation for us to work together. So we're really striving for high quality education, but we know that online school looks really different than personal school, than in-person school, but we're keeping the, the core principles there, you know? Yeah. And the last thing is maybe that week at a glance, like, I didn't do this for my kids. I would just say, okay, in two weeks, you're going to be producing this. But kids really need that week at a glance. By Friday, you'll be doing this. Mm -hmm. That's been helpful. So relationships, a little bit of backwards planning. Um, but, you know, it's all about understanding who your kids are and being able to react to their situation because, um, and I think we're seeing this now uh, in, in many regions around the United States, which is that they're focused now on students' social-emotional state and not on their academics. That comes second, yeah. which I think yeah. is a smart move because you're not yes. you're not going to teach kids anything if they're in a state of panic. No, we we've also so to speak to that we've 
the school is very wise in sending um, maybe weekly or bi-weekly surveys to families. And the families that want to respond, they do. And we really move and respond based upon our family's requests. For example, the first two weeks, we were sending just electronic links. And the parents were like, listen, this looks really difficult. This is challenging for us. We're, we're not familiar with this approach to teaching. Can you give us some more physical work to send back? And we said, yeah, not a problem. That's not our approach. But we can take some of the things we're teaching and put it into packets or, or physical materials. Mm-hmm. And parents really appreciated that because they can sit next to a document and say, yes, this is what we're supposed to fill out. So we were able to send books back with kids. Now during the eighth week, we're no longer doing that as much. We're sending out PDF packets and we're printing them out. But we used, we used to send whole like materials. Like we wanted to, so the ecosystem unit that we're in, we actually sent kids a pot with soil and <laughs> seeds. And we gave, it gave them instructions to plant the seed because we wanted to teach them how to measure and, and collect data accurately for science. Right. And they, and they did. Yeah. I mean, whenever possible, the tech's great and everything, but uh, there's nothing wrong with um, physical, you know, objects. You get, I think that one of the risks we run here with online learning is doing too much online and not, you know, using our hands to manipulate things and feel things yes. and do yes. things we're supposed to do, which is obviously difficult in this situation. Yes. Um, well, Tan, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. I, we could talk for another three hours. I'm trying to keep these relatively short so that people can digest them quickly. Um, and we will share any resources that you have and that you want to share out uh, with us as well um, on our blog and as well as on our, um, on our Look for the Helpers um, series. So thanks so much for joining us. Good luck with everything um, in Vietnam. Thanks for letting your perspective and let us know if, if there's any other way that we can collaborate. Uh, thank you for what you're doing. I know you're changing your, your, your regular schedule to support us and that's really responsive. So thank you Steve, for doing that. Absolutely. My pleasure. Stay safe. Thanks for listening to Highest Aspirations. If you liked our show, please be sure to join the ELL community at elevationeducation.com slash ELL community, where you'll find all the episodes of Highest Aspirations and other resources to help educators maximize the impact on their English language learners. Also, let us know how we're doing by writing a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts.